Church, I'd love to invite you to join me in prayer as we just offer that as a prayer to God. I, I, I want to teach you a posture of one of just open-handedness before God. And you can just take your hands and lay them in front of you, kind of like I'm doing now. There's nothing magical about this, but it's just a way for us to help our hearts and our, 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 our souls get kind of behind what our body is doing. It's just a posture of saying, God, we want you to fill us up. And we come empty-handed, we come broken, we come needing repair. I'd love for you just to pray with me this way. Father, you are so good. You are the one that takes old things and makes them new, old people and make us new. You bring from death, you give life. And we need that. God, I need that. My heart is so prone to go to, towards the old ways, the old things, the things that are not what you would produce for me or through me or in me. And so God, I just here take a step back and give you some ground. I just give you space in my heart to be able to fill me up and to do what you would have in me. God, as a church, for all of us, as a family of faith, God, we, we surrender to you right now and say, we want you to do a new thing in us. We're open for you, God. We're here seeking you. Would you show us the way? Father, we love you. We trust you. It's in your precious name we pray. Everybody said together. Amen. Amen. Hey, Harlan, you can be seated. Hey, everybody who's joining us online, we're so glad that you're uh, joining with us. Can we just do one thing here? You're kind of already doing it, but can we just welcome in the people who are joining us online? We know half of our church is still online, and it's awesome to have you guys with us and to worship together and to make much of Jesus and to put him first today. It's, a, it's incredible for us. That's a, that's a really encouraging th thing for me to know is that half of the, the church family is still engaging with us, albeit from a distance. And so um, I just hope you're encouraged as you're coming back here in the building, making some relationships, connections, staying a little bit longer, lingering, getting coffee, making some friendships. Um, we're a family here, and that's, uh, that's such a great thing. My name is Dan. Some of you are like, if we're a family, who are you? Um, I'm, I'm really new here. Uh, my wife, Kristen, and I just uh, moved into the area and just kind of jumped in at Heartland. In fact, today is Kristen's first Sunday with us, and she's sitting over here taking a swig of coffee, trying to stay out of the limelight. Like, Can you guys welcome my wife and her sister and my mother-in-law are here as well, and um, just, you know, we're raising the roof for them. Uh, we're, we're delighted to be here. God has just already made Heartland feel like the home we didn't know we had. And so thank you to you for welcoming us in. Hey, if you're new or newer, uh, I want to just tell you uh, right off the bat, I'm just like you. And I, I found Heartland to be such a warm, inviting place. But there's a resource I want to put in front of you. Um, it's our Heartland app. And you can go to the app store on your phone and just have a way to connect with us and take the church with you wherever you go. And I promise you, like some apps, um, this one's not going to charge you money and it's actually going to work. Um, and so if you go and you download it, it's an amazing resource. Our team has done a great job with it to connect you with news from the church, a, a Bible that you could have a plan through. You can watch old sermons and, and re-listen to some messages. Uh, there's also a way, though, this is my favorite thing, there's a way for you to get connected into communities. For you just to say, I want to be involved with other people. I want to get to know. I want to step out of just being someone who shows up, but I want to step into the family. And, and there's a way for you on the app to just tell us, hey, I'd love to connect in with, with you this way. And so um, as you will, I just wanted you to have that info to know how to take your next step here at Heartland. 
Well, we've got something to celebrate and we've got something also to, to be challenged by. Um, it's coming up to school season and we as a church want to be the generous church that's known in this region for uh, giving and, and, and pouring into our community because we really care about where we live. And uh, we had a challenge last week thrown down by uh, one of our pastors who is not wanting me to use his name because he feels a little guilty about this. But um, he said we were going to pack, to purchase and pack how many backpacks? He said 500. Someone in the first service was like, 5,000. They're like, no, 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 that was Jesus and the bread. Um, <laughs> the backpacks are just 500, he said. And um, I got an update from the first service. You guys want to know how, how we're doing? Yeah. Yeah. How the first service did? Because I know you guys are going to crush them. But the first service, maybe drum roll, please, everybody. 200. Yeah. 200 have come in already, which is great. What that means, though, and I don't think we've counted some of yours, but what that means is, like, if you haven't participated, we really, 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 really need your help to be able to be a blessing to the school districts right around us and to some of the families who could um, be blessed by us this year. And so um, that leaves, I don't, can't do math. You guys look like you're, you can't do math either because it's summer. But is that 300? Is that 300? Yeah, I did math wrong the first service, and so I'm going to double check it. 300 uh, are left out. So if you're watching online, I want to let you know you have until Thursday this week. We're going to keep the offices open and keep the bin collected out there, uh, right out in the front of our church. We'd love for you to come and to participate in being a blessing to our community. Well, hey, if you're newer, newer, you picked a great Sunday to participate here at our church and to join us because we are uh, closing down a series that we've been in for the past couple of weeks called Ready for More. Jesus always offers us more in this life than what the world can give. Don't you believe that? I believe that. And that's what we've been talking about here. And today I want you to give a great big Heartland welcome to Pastor Brad Herndon as he comes and wraps up this series for us. Come on, Brad. We love you, bro. Hey Harlan, how are we doing today? Good. Good to be with you. Good to be with all of you who are watching online, wherever you are. Do you remember? You remember when like makeover shows were just becoming a thing? Like this was there was like this fad, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, like Extreme Home Makeover, Biggest Loser, some of these other shows, there were some like auto makeovers and, and people makeovers and but my favorite one, and I think arguably the best of all of them. Maybe some of you would agree. It was about seven, eight years ago. The show came out, Fixer Upper. Anyone? Yeah. It, you might say the show took off. Like you walk into Target and you see Chip and Joanna Gaines. Um, somehow, Waco, Texas became a tourist destination because of this show. Like why anywhere in Texas would be a tourist destination, I don't know. But um, yeah, so if you didn't watch the show, is Chip and Joanna Gaines would help, would help a, a person or a family find a home, um, remodel it into their dream home. But they would pull up at this house and, and it would just look, look like, like a haunted house than a, like a dream house. And you know, pieces of the house were falling off, the shutters were missing, windows were busted. You walk in, the water damage is everywhere, foundation is cracked, um, there's walls everywhere. And, and if you're that couple in this moment, you're thinking, no, no way. No way am I spending money on this. No way could this house actually like, like, be, like stand up for much longer, much less you turn it into something that I would want to live in. Like my dream home, like this, that's not gonna happen. And just about the time this couple's gonna give up, Chip and Joanna kind of step in and they're like, no, 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 just, just wait. They're these incredible visionaries. And they say, just, just wait. Now just, just think if we made a few changes around here, big changes around here. Like what if we fixed the outside, we, we fixed the windows and put the window shutters. We, we took the patio, which is, you know, falling off the house and we put it back on the house. 
What if we open up these walls, we put a case opening here, imagine, you, imagine some windows and your family's sitting around a big farmhouse table and a big farmhouse sink, and, and, and who knew what shiplap was eight years ago, but, but now we do. And what if we just put shiplap everywhere in the house? And just think, just think of what this house could become. And so we watched for 30 minutes. Uh, my family and I would watch, and we watched like a whole afternoon of, of Fixer Uppers multiple times, um, and just watch this process of demolition to decoration. And it all kind of leads up to this final moment at the end of 30 minutes when, when the people, the family, the couple are standing out in the street in front of the house, but right in front of them, well, they actually blindfold them, right? They blindfold them. And uh, they say, are you ready to see your new house? And they count it down and they open their eyes and what they see is not the new house. What they see is a giant canvas of the old house, which is an interesting kind of twist, right? And Chip and Joanna say, you know, the reason why we do this is because we don't want you to forget what the old house used to look like. We want you to see just how much this house has changed and transformed. And then they open up the canvas and they see this amazing house. They can't even believe their eyes. They're weeping. They're like, oh my gosh, this is our house. And they get to like walk around in it. Now, we didn't know for the first few seasons, we didn't know they didn't get to keep any of the stuff in the house, but, but it's still a really cool, good house, right? And, and you know, we'd watch one episode, then we'd watch a, another episode, different houses, different people. Same process of transformation. And like I said, this kind of, there was, name your genre or your item. Uh, we just loved watching these TV shows. I mean, HGTV had a good thing going, and I think they, they still do. And you think, you think, why? And I think it's because we love watching transformation happen. It doesn't matter if it's cars or houses or people. We love seeing things that are desolate and broken be given new purpose, be given new life. New beauty. You know, we love watching it in homes. We love watching it in communities. We love watching that kind of transformation happen in churches. Because I think it makes us wonder, maybe even makes us believe that that kind of change and transformation is possible in us. For you and for me. And so let me welcome you back to the series. Uh, Dan talked a little bit about it. We've been in the series called Ready for More. And if there's one thing that I, I hope you take away from this series, it's that Jesus is always inviting us to experience more of the life he came to give us, that he died to give us, not less. The world's offering us less, but Jesus is always offering us more of that life. But, but and here's key, that more is only found in him. And so as we've been talking through just this Jesus life that we live, and actually the life that he lives through us, and if we're searching for more life, for more purpose, we find that in Jesus. Think about forgiveness. We find more. We always find more in Jesus. Uncomfortable amounts of forgiveness in Jesus. We, think, we talk about, about freedom in Jesus. Always more in Jesus. Faith, courage. Jesus is always offering us more of those things. Unity, joy. We never get to the bottom of that tank. Jesus is always offering us more. It's only in Jesus when we get to experience those things. And so today, as we finish out this series, there was one more topic that we wanted to talk about, that I wanted to talk about, um, and it's more change. Now, some of you are thinking, time out, <laughs> hold on. That's not what the email said. Uh, that's not what the slide just said that we looked at. It said more growth, not more change. And I have to fess up, I did that on purpose. I misled you, I deceived you. 
because we love watching change happen on TV shows. We don't always love watching it happen in our life because we've had some experiences with change before, right? And I knew, in fact, I told our, our email team, I said, we can't promote this as more change because nobody would show up. You're like, I don't want more change. I want less change. Uh, but we do want more growth. And in fact, as Dan and I, over the past several months, as we were talking with Heartland and praying about if this is a step that God was leading us to take and coming and being a part of what God's doing here and joining the new leadership team here, and even Craig, as he was stepping from his, Craig Cheney, as he was stepping from his current role to this new role with our lead team, I think, uh, you know, we all were understanding that there was a lot of changes happening around Heartland. In fact, it was funny, Dan and I both observed as we were getting to know Heartland and as you, as you were deciding if, if you wanted us to come, and we're not like a package deal, it's not like I knew Dan before this, but he's a really good guy. I'm really excited about working with him. But we separately on our own uh, made this observation that it seemed like everyone we talked to wanted to let us in on this big secret that Heartland was going through a lot of changes over this past year. And it was kind of like, hey, you know, Heartland's been going through a lot of changes. And, and I was like, oh, really? Tell me, tell me about it. I'm like, well. Um, I mean, but it was kind of like this, like, are you, are you sure that Brad, are you sure that you know what you're getting yourself into? Like, are you sure you're up for this? Because we see something going through a lot of changes and we think, oh man, there's turbulence. What's going on? Like, what's going, which way is up? Around, you know? And, and in that moment, I thought, and I think Dan would say the same thing. I said, yeah, I, I know there's a lot of changes that have been going on. And, and I don't want to minimize those changes because change is hard and it affects us on multiple levels. But in the same, in, in the same you know, kind of moment, I was feeling like, but I am, I, I, I do know what's going on and it, and it doesn't phase me. And I know what I'm getting myself into. Well, maybe not entirely, we don't always entirely know, but, but uh, it doesn't phase me because, because what I've learned and what, what Dan said as well and, and others of you have known is that, is that growth always involves change. And growth is something we all want, but growth never happens apart from change. Now, sometimes you can just have change for change's sake, and that doesn't always lead to growth. But growth will never, in any area of our life or our world or our community or society, it never happens without change. And so how do we learn to, to recognize and welcome that process of change in our lives? And so this message is for anyone here or anyone watching online who has a rough, tough history with change. You know, maybe you had change thrown upon you and it, and it didn't go well. Or maybe as you think about yourself, you just realize that you've been stuck and you haven't figured out how to get from point A to anywhere else. <laughs> you know, or, 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 or maybe there's just some, some change or some, rela there's some relationship maybe in your life that is really kind of gone sour and sideways and part of it's your doing. And so as you think about your own life and your own Self, you think, you know what, as much as I would like to think that my life looks like that, that brand new move-in, ready, turnkey home, if I'm honest with myself, it actually looks a lot more like the fixer-upper. And, and kind of like that house, maybe, maybe the work that needs to be done is to go right back down to the studs of my heart and my soul and see change happen from that place. But that's a scary and it's a hard process and we might not be willing to go there. Or maybe we've just given up on change altogether. And so this message is for you, if you've ever found yourself there. 
Because before we give up on change, I at least want to give it one more chance by looking at a story in the life and the ministry of Jesus that tells us, shows us really, uh, the, t- the kind of change, the amount of change that is possible in your life and mine when we find it in Jesus. And so it comes out of Luke 19. And uh, at this kind of stage of Luke's gospel, Luke, Luke is writing all about the life and ministry of Jesus. And, and as he does, he tells a story kind of near the end of Jesus's ministry when Jesus is going through this town where there's this guy who lives there by the name of Zacchaeus. Everyone say Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. It's kind of a fun name. It's a harder name to type out. In fact, I, my, my, my Microsoft Word spell checked it every time I typed it. I could not get it right. Um, Zacchaeus. Now, if you've ever grown up in church, been to children's ministry, Sunday school. Sunday schools love Zacchaeus. It's like their favorite character in the entire Bible. They love Zacchaeus. And they love to teach you this little song about how Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And everyone say it. A You got it. The Jacobson family coming in strong. Uh, And if you're sitting here like, what? And if you're watching online, you might not have heard all of what just happened. And if you're here for the new time in churches, you're like, what just happened? Like there was a thing. Yes, we were all indoctrinated into the Zacchaeus song at some point in children's ministry. Um, But as we look at this story, we find out that this isn't just a cute little story. And Zacchaeus wasn't just a wee little man. You see, Luke tells us right out the get-go in this passage, Luke tells us, that Zacchaeus was, was wealthy, that he was a tax collector. And that's another way, if you were reading this back when Luke was writing it, that's another way of saying that Zacchaeus was a traitor. Because in this day, first century Judaism in this land, Rome was kind of the, the ruling nation, and, and they would contract uh, local, uh, first, first century Judaism, local uh, Jews to tax their neighbors. And as long as Rome received their fair share then they didn't really care how else the tax collectors would collect these taxes. And so oftentimes you had all of these tax collectors overcharging uh, and being just really brutal in their practices of their neighbors, overcharging and, and taking the top of it and giving Rome the rest. And so you hated tax collectors. In fact, you saw them walking around, you know, dressing in fancy clothes and filling their houses with fancy furniture. And and Zacchaeus was kind of at the top of this pyramid of tax collectors and he was doing pretty well for himself, which in other words meant he was pretty hated. You know, he probably even had a couple of lake houses over the Sea of Galilee that he just loved to ride his chariot that you bought for him over there to, to Galilee to live in this place. And so Zacchaeus hears that Jesus is coming to town. And Zacchaeus does this really weird, strange thing because he was so short, he climbed a tree. And while he's up in the tree, Jesus sees him and he says, hey, hey, Zach, uh, come on down because I'm going to stay at your house today. And Zacchaeus welcomes him, and and while Jesus is there at his house, and there's people are appalled. They're like, why would Jesus go to this this trader's house, this tax collector? Why would he even give him the time of day? And well, Zacchaeus stands up and he makes this grand announcement, this huge apology, and just this commitment that he's gonna he's gonna make everything right. He's he's kind of making amends for everything that he had done in his career as a tax collector. And, And if you were there and I were there at this moment, I wonder what we would be thinking. In fact, Luke kind of helps us know what we would be thinking because it's the same as what the people who were there were thinking. And they were appalled. And I think they were thinking, Jesus, don't, don't believe this guy. Like, he, he, he's a cheat, he's a thief, he's a liar, he's going to make himself look good no matter what. And I know that you like seeking and saving sinners, it's why you came, it's what you do, but not this guy. People like him are too far gone. People like him 
they don't change. And I think we think that because somewhere in your life, maybe there's a Zacchaeus type person. And they could be, they could be at your job site or your workplace. You know, and you're thinking that person is never going to change. Just kind of learn to live with it. Maybe they're at your school, your bus stop, your team. Maybe this person is in your neighborhood, in your home. Maybe they're in your marriage. I think they're never going to change. Maybe that person is you. Maybe there's something in your life that you have tried and tried again to find change in. But it just, it just hasn't happened. There's too many resolutions that have failed. There's some pattern of behavior that you just, you just can't seem to change. There's a pattern in your relationships and you're the consistent ingredient in all of these relationships going south. And so you wonder if change is possible. Not just change, but like real change. Not just moving the furniture around in your life, but real change, lasting change, significant change. Well, right after Zacchaeus makes this announcement, Jesus, who knows what people are thinking, stands up and makes an announcement of his own and says, hey, this, this change that we just saw in this guy, Zacchaeus, this isn't superficial. He's not just trying to impress us right now. And, and this change is not going to be short-lived. And what this story tells us, among so many other things, what this story tells us is if that kind of change and transformation and growth could happen for a guy like Zacchaeus, it can happen for you and for me and for us. The question is, how? Great. It's one thing to see it. But how does it happen? Because we've been trying, right? But if we slow this passage down, we go back into it and we slow it down. Luke's a really good storyteller. And if we slow it down, what we're going to see in this passage is that change is this process of movements. And we know this because if you think about some of the significant, meaningful changes in your life, what I've known, what I've seen in my own life is that it's this process that happens over time. And it's a process of movements. And so how do we begin to see these movements and welcome them in our life? so that we can see the change that is possible to us in Jesus. And I want to walk through these movements for us today. And, and before I do, I just want you to think about your life for a second. What is that one area, or maybe an area of your life, that you would like to see some change and growth and maybe some healing, some redirection? What is that life or that relationship or what is that part of your life? And just take a moment, think about it, maybe write it down. You can scribble it so that no one else can read it. It's just you. Just hold it in your memory, your mind right here. You got it? If you don't and you came with someone today, they might know for you. <laughs> um, if you don't know what it is, that's okay. Just maybe like Dan prayed, just, let's just have an open hand and say, God, maybe there's an area that you see some growth for me in and, and I'm just going to listen to you to see maybe what that could be. So what are these movements? Movement one, climb a tree. Movement one, climb a tree. What do I mean? I mean, take a risk. So we go back to the beginning of this passage. I'm going to read through this with us. Verse one, Luke 19, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. 
why would Zacchaeus climb a tree? Now I know, like Luke tells us that he did it so that, because he was short, he had to get over the crowd. He climbed a tree. And I mean, that makes sense if you're like nine. But he's, this is a grown man. You know, I, a, couple thing, a weird thing happened to me a couple years ago, I turned 40. Um, uh, trees, no, you, that, I'm no longer climbing trees. You know, it's uncomfortable up there. If you fall, you hurt yourself. When you're old and you hurt yourself, it costs a lot of money and time to get better. And so here you have Zacchaeus. Yeah, he was short, but, but he was also rich and wealthy and a government official. And, and we don't know how old, but old enough to be those things. And so why would he climb a tree? And I have a hunch and I have an idea, because if you go all the way back in Luke's gospel around chapter 5, uh, Jesus is hanging out with another tax collector and Jesus loved to party with tax collectors and it really rubbed people the wrong way but Jesus was okay with it. And so Jesus loved hanging out with people who, who needed grace and forgiveness and, and I think along the way Jesus started teaching and preaching all about how God loved everyone and he could forgive anyone, even tax collectors. And I think somewhere in the time that has passed from Luke 5 to Luke 19 when we meet Zacchaeus, I think that made its way to Zacchaeus' ears. And somewhere in all of his thievery and greed and the isolation and emptiness that resulted from that, I think rumors of grace sounded pretty good to Zacchaeus, at least intriguing. And it made him curious enough that he did something so risky and reckless as to climb a tree, if only to get a view of Jesus. But what happened? Jesus got a view of him. Where were you when you found yourself maybe for the first time caught in the view of Jesus? Caught in his gaze? See, see, my hunch is, for those of us who have been following Jesus for any length of time, there was a step that you took, that, that, that you took to get a view of Jesus, but he also got a view of you. Maybe the step for you was something risky like walking into a church for the very first time, which, which believe me, I know, even as a pastor, I know that's a risky step because you don't necessarily know what you're walking into. Or maybe that risky step that you took was, was jumping in with a small group or a community of people, Bible study of some sort, and you got a better view of Jesus because of that. Maybe the step for you was that you started serving with a team of people here at the church or out in the community, or maybe you, you went on a mission trip, or maybe that step was, was a courageous step of asking a friend of yours who you knew had something going on with God, and, and you just mustered up the courage to ask him about it. You see, in that moment, you climbed a tree. You took a risk. And you got a better view of Jesus, and, and Jesus got a better view of you. Now, Jesus is always watching us. He always sees us and knows us. But when we find ourselves caught in his gaze, that's, that's significant. And so we climb a tree, just like Zacchaeus. Now, he risks some things. He risks safety. He risks exposure. And when we climb trees, we risk things too. What could God right now be be asking you to risk in order to get closer to Jesus. Maybe it's risking some pride. Maybe it's reaching out to a friend and as you think about that area in your life that you want to see change in, just letting them in on it and saying, hey, could, could you offer me some encouragement and some accountability? Maybe it's risking some comfort. You know, saying, hey, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give part of my time and my energy and I'm going to find, I'm going to roll my sleeves up and I'm going to find some meaningful way to serve. You know, maybe it's sacrificing part of your schedule. Say, I'm going to take a part of my day. It could be in the morning, during the day, late at night. And I'm just going to set aside that time to pray or to, to read scripture, 
Just give God some designated space. You see, when we take those risks, that's when we get closer to Jesus. And, and, and maybe we took a risk once, but the thing about following Jesus is that we never stop taking risks because it's in the trees that we climb. It's in the risks that we take, those gutsy decisions to climb trees that we place ourselves in view of Jesus and we get closer to him. And when we do, that's when we begin to welcome the transforming work of change that he wants to do in our lives. So that's movement one, climb a tree. Movement two, let Jesus in. Let Jesus in. Look what happens next in the story. In verse five, it says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down and he welcomed Jesus gladly. Now, if it had been me in Zacchaeus' shoes, I just climbed a tree. This guy walking down the street shouts up at me and says, hey, I'm coming over to your house. I have a pretty good idea that he's something pretty significant. I might have kind of deflected Jesus a little bit. I would have said, Jesus, you know, there's a Starbucks around the corner. You just want to go grab a coffee? They got a really good blend this morning. You know, some of you are laughing like Starbucks doesn't have good blend. No, I'm just, uh, I'm not playing favorites on coffee. Uh, but you know, it's like my house, it's kind, of a, it's kind of a mess right now. And I haven't had time to pick it up if I had known you were coming over. And, and also I haven't had a chance to talk to my wife. And you know, the, I've learned not bring home guests unannounced, especially the savior of the world. Like that might not go well for me. So how about tomorrow? Tomorrow's free for me. Do you want to schedule something tomorrow? And that'll give us some time to pick up some things and, and go get some groceries and we'll, we'll treat you to something real nice, um, right? I mean, in fact, for, for, just, for just a moment, let's have fun with ourselves and just, just lean over and tell someone, how clean was your house when you left it this morning? You know, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being like, man, whoo, no dust anywhere, dishes put away, and one being kind of pig pen level. Like, how clean was your house this morning? Just take like 10 seconds, lean over to someone, tell them, on a, give them a number, maybe someone you came with, Maybe there's someone friendly, make a new friend. If it looks like they're going to bite you, don't talk to them. Do it on your own. Online, throw it in the chat. How clean was your house? All right, now I'm curious. Uh, this, is, this is the 11 o'clock crowd. So the first service crowd, all those overachievers, they, there was a lot of kind of higher numbers in them. Not only did they get up early and get dressed, they also cleaned their house before they came. So I don't want to say there's a stereotype to the second service crowd, but we're going to about to find out. So I'm curious, who, who was more clean? Like maybe the six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10, raise, raise your hand. Yeah? Man, you guys are, what a nice job. Way to go. Way to go. And I'm not, yeah, yeah, so maybe you're kind of more like this. This is a 10. I would say this is like an 11 right here, this house right here. And so if that resembled your house this morning, I kind of don't like you, that you, that's even possible that your house could look like that, that, that kind of cleanliness. All right, so now, now I'm curious, who's on the lower side? Who's kind of the one through five, lower, lower level? Raise them proud. This is, you know, you don't have to be ashamed. That's right. That's kind of 50-50, good. So maybe your house, like on a bad day, maybe it looks more like, like this right here, yeah? Now, I'm not making fun of this because this is life. This person is li living their life and there are maybe more important things to do. But, but if you were walking Jesus into this, you might like, I don't know, get an extension cord for the microwave, right? <laughs> and I bring that up just to poke fun at ourselves just, just because 
our life can have all sorts of messes in them. Physical messes, but other messes too. And the thought of welcoming anyone, especially Jesus, into those messes can be a tough thing for us to do, right? And I think our tendency, and one of the reasons why we don't see change in our life as much as we want it is, is because we think that we need to clean up our mess before we let Jesus into it. It's like, God, you know, I have these doubts about you, but why don't you just give me some time to kind of sort through those doubts before I start talking to you about them? Or maybe you're thinking, just let me, let me get a little bit more of a handle on, on my addiction before I start to welcome you into it. Or maybe you think about your problems at work and you're like, let me try to fix those problems or fix the problems in my marriage. Just, just kind of course correct it just a little bit enough that, that I feel good about you coming in and, and helping me. Or if it doesn't work, well then, then after I've given it my, my best, then you can come and try to help me, help me with it. But Jesus says to Zacchaeus, he says, I must stay at your house today, mess or not. Do you hear the urgency of that? See, Jesus is telling us in order for us to see change in our lives, we have to be willing to let him in all of his grace, we have to be able to let him and his grace into the messy, protected, intimate areas of our lives that we're really good at hiding. And so the question is, are you willing to let God into those messy and protected areas? And can we help one another do that too? You see, Zacchaeus did this even stranger thing. He not only did he climb a tree, he, he welcomed Jesus gladly into his home. And see, when we invite Jesus into those areas, those intimate areas of our life, that's when, that's when we actually begin to see the change that he wants to happen in our life. And that's movement three. As we join the work. We join the work. You see, if there's one thing, maybe more than anything, that we get wrong when it comes to our relationship with God and the growth that we want to see happen in our lives is that we misunderstand our role and his role in the process of, of growth and transformation. So uh, to explain this, one thing you're going to learn about me quick is I love the water. Any other water lovers out there? Boats, kayaks, canoes, rafts, whatever, swimming pools. My mission in life is to be on the water, in the water, or near the water, however I can. Honestly, as we were praying, I was like, God, there's not as many lakes in Kansas as there is in Minnesota. Um, but I'm going to trust you on this. All I need is one. And, and I found one, first day. So I'm, I'm good. I just need a little bit of, of water. So first thing we did when we moved into our house you know, it might have been to like unpack. No, I found a, where in the garage I'm going to keep the kayak, right? We moved into the office here at the, the church offices. First thing I did is, is I, I found a picture of a river that I wanted to hang on my wall. Because for me, water is it's really a spiritual kind of experience. And I think there's something about a river, in fact, that, that is such a good picture of how we grow and transform in our relationship with God. You see, there's three ways that you can go down a river. The first way you can go down a river is like this guy, okay? This is, this is the first way. Now, anyone done this yet this summer? Just grab an inner tube, yeah? And then just plop on the river and head on down. This guy might not even be awake right now. Like he is living and loving life. You just kick right back and just place yourself in the river and go. And where you go, doesn't matter. Just that way. And see, sometimes we go about our relationship with God like this too. We just plop ourselves in front of God and we say, all right, God, have your way. What do you want to see happen? The problem is that doesn't work. 
When we put all the work on God, that doesn't work. And just like in a, in a tube, if we try to go down a river like this, we're going to wind up sunburned and stuck in a riverbank. We didn't actually make it to where we were wanting or needing to go. So the second way is the flip side. It's, it's instead of asking God to do all the work, we do all the work ourselves. It's kind of like going down a river like this guy. So this is more my style, actually. I love, I love rivers and, and white water, and I can't, I'm not that cool. But, um, but you notice how much gear this guy is wearing? You know how much he had to suit? You know how much work is happening in this picture right now? You know, he's actually trying to fight the current. He's actually trying to go against and opposite. And when you're kayaking, you're trying to fight the current and overcome it. And that's a dangerous thing to do. That's why he's got to wear that helmet so that he, so that he doesn't get hurt. Because when you try to overpower something that powerful, that's a, that's a bad day. And the other thing is, that's exhausting. You know, do that for a few minutes or an hour and you're just toast because you're fighting against the river. That's when we try to do all the work in our relationship with God ourselves. But there's a third way, and it looks like this. You see, this is a picture, I think, of the way God wants to go about change and transformation in our lives. Do you notice some things about this? The job of these canoers right now is very simple. It's just to keep themselves in the current of the river. You see, they have paddles, but they're not actually using the paddles uh, to go anywhere. They're just using the paddles to steer them into the current of the river to keep them flowing in the right direction. And the current of the river, that's the current of God's spirit and grace in your life. And our job is to join the work by keeping ourselves in the current. Because every now and then we might kind of veer off a little bit, but we get a little nudge from God and, and we just steer ourselves right back. It's where he's moving in our life. It's what he's inviting us to and how we're responding. And so how we join the work is all about staying in the current of God. Now, now to be clear, there are things that God, as God, only God does. Okay, salvation, that's God. Repentance, that's us. We join the work. Conviction, teaching, that's God. Re uh, living it out, reading the Bible and praying, listening to what God wants, that's us. He's always initiating. There's the current. And our job is to respond. In fact, if you've kind of been around Heartland or if you've stepped kind of another, another level or two into some of our serving teams and our groups, two questions we love asking around here so we can help one another along the way is, what is God telling you and what are you doing about it? What's the current and how are you placing yourself in it? What is God inviting you to and how are you joining him in it? So, how will you participate with God in the work that he wants to do in you? You see, somewhere in the story of Zacchaeus, Jesus began to work in him. And maybe he said something to Zacchaeus on the way back to the house, or maybe there was just something kind of rising up in Zacchaeus, but he stands up and he makes that announcement I told you about, and this is what, it actually, what he actually says. He says, look, Lord, here now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. I want you to notice a couple things about, about what Zacchaeus says here. One, he gets really specific. He says, uh, four times the amount, half my, half my possessions. He doesn't just say, I'm going to be more generous or I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do better. Those kind of words and phrases actually are the enemy to change and growth in our life because they're not specific enough. He gets specific. The other thing that he does that helps change happen in his life is he goes public. He just kind of outed himself in front of everyone. 
He said, in front of it, they're going to know if he lives up to this deal or not. And, and, and they know where to find Jesus if he doesn't. And it's just a way of kind of calling himself up and inviting other people into the process. What I love about that canoe picture, it wasn't just one person, it was two people in that canoe. Because the kind of change that Jesus wants to do in our life always happens best in relationships with other people, in community with other people. And so for you, how can you get public? Now, you don't have to stand in front of the church or the state of Kansas to tell them about what, what you want to commit to in your life. But maybe one or two people so that they can walk alongside you in the midst of that. And then Jesus responds to this big announcement. He says in verse seven, he says, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. I love it because Jesus gives us this great, full, complete, wholesome picture of salvation. You see, yes, Zacchaeus was restored and forgiveness to Jesus. But Zacchaeus was also restored in so many other ways. He was restored to his community. He was restored to his enemies. He was restored, he has a new relationship with, with his wealth. He has a new relationship with his job. He's probably continued being a tax collector, but now instead of doing it to, to gain himself, now he's doing it for the gain of others from this point forward. And that's always the result of the change and growth that Jesus does in our life. It's for our benefit, for the abundance of others, and, and for the glory of God. There's this total work that Jesus is doing, and that's what Jesus wants for you and me, and that's what I love about this church, friends. That's what drew me to Heartland. Even before, even before I began considering coming here, just knowing about Heartland and hearing the stories of Heartland, what I love is that this room, that our classrooms, that our ministries, that what's happening online, that, that it is filled with people who are climbing trees, who are taking risks, who are letting Jesus in, and who are joining the work that he's doing in their lives. And because of that, all of us are changing every single day to become more like Jesus. It's people like Eric. Eric, who, who sits here on a weekly basis, who left his own successful career because he was feeling a nudge towards something else, not just for change's sake, but to pursue a career in order to help others. It's people like Melissa. Melissa, who showed up at one of our communities that Dan was talking about a couple weeks ago for the first time because someone else took a risk. They climbed a tree and they invited her and told her, hey, you should come to this. It's people like Allison and Suzanne and Dominic and Chad, uh, Chad and all sorts of people who are just saying, hey, you know what? This happens better in community. How do we create spaces in our own lives, at donut shops and homes and living rooms, at fire pits, and create space for us to cheer for one another in life and in our faith? People like Dave and the myriad of other volunteers who show up and roll their sleeves and, and create space here for Jesus to be first at our doors and in our kids' ministry and our student ministries. They're climbing trees, they're sacrificing things, and they're getting a better view of Jesus because of it. It's people like Sharon, who at the beginning of those rough waters of change that were happening around here at Heartland, she felt God telling her, I want you to pray. And so she showed up early mornings on Saturday. We gave her a key to the building. I didn't, I wasn't here, but someone did. And she shows up here every Sunday morning and she prays for these seats. She prays for you before you're even here. Just because God was nudging her and she responded. He was telling her something and she did something about it. It's, it's people like the 20 or so people who, who come to the AA group that we support. We sponsor right here at Heartland. They're climbing trees. 
It's people like the high school students, a couple of students who got baptized a couple weeks ago at camp. And that's what baptism is, isn't it? It's a picture of the change that Jesus does in our life that he makes us new, that he washes us clean. And then as we come out of that water, this is why we celebrate baptism so much. As we come out of that water, we're declaring before our friends, family, and the world that, that we're living for Jesus, that he is the most important thing, that he's our savior, our friend, our leader, our God, and our guide. And so if you have interest in baptism, we were gonna do it in a couple weeks, but we push it off uh, till later in September. So there's time for you to learn more about it. It'll have some steps for you to do that. Let us know you're interested in it. We'd love to talk to you about that and see if that's something you want to celebrate so we can celebrate with you. And see, that's their stories. And we heard Zacchaeus' story. But what's your story? What is it a year from now that God wants, so desperately wants to meet you with all of his grace like he did Zacchaeus and change that area of your life to find healing, to find growth? And so I wanna pray for us as we go from this place right here that we could hold on to that and trust in that and fight for one another in that. And so online here, just take a moment and settle yourself before God, maybe close your eyes, bow your head if that helps you and offer that up to God. How is he inviting you to climb a tree, to let Jesus in, to join his work? So Jesus, we thank you so much that the change that it is needed, that is possible in our lives, you don't even blink an eye. It, it, you are more than capable. And you are loving and grace-filled and strong. And so, Lord, I pray today that there would be areas of our lives and as a church where, where we're allowing you to come in with all of your grace and that you would be encouraging, inviting us to climb trees and take risks that maybe we didn't think we could that you would reveal some of those protected, intimate areas of our life and that we would welcome you into those. And Lord, that you would show us how to see the current of your grace, of your spirit, of your, your conviction in our life so that we can keep ourselves right in the middle of it, partnering with you in the work that you wanna do in us. And we do all these things because we know that it's for our good. We know that it's for the benefit of others. And ultimately, we know it's for your glory, God. But I pray for Heartland, that this can be a place, Lord. It's one thing to know that that kind of change is possible in you. But our prayer this morning is that we would be a community, a family, a place where that kind of change is possible. And so we give you ourselves and we give you our church. And Jesus, it's in your mighty and powerful name that we pray. Amen. Hey, a couple ways that can help if you're looking for some small steps to take that can help change and grow and you and your faith. One is every week we throw our conversation questions up on our social media. So find those, work over those, think through those even better. Talk over one or two of them with a friend, another Heartlander, a family member, and, and encourage one another as you follow Jesus together. Secondly, uh, next weekend we're kicking off a brand new series. Where do we go from here? Well, we're going to continue growing. We're going to continue changing. And the Bible gives us some ancient paths for how we can grow in our relationship with God. That the way forward is actually to look back. And scripture shows us, in fact, Jesus demonstrated so many ways that each of us can make space in our lives to grow in our journey with him. To take that next step forward. What are those? Come back next week.
And we're going to find out as Dan kicks off this series for us. Hey, if we can pray for you today, come forward. Our prayer team would love to do so. Uh, hey, thank a kids volunteer on your way out because um, I'm their least favorite person right now because uh, I went out just a little bit long. But uh, you all have a great week and we'll see you next Sunday.